This ADN Politics Podcast is brought to you by Steam.Coffee, where we source, roast, and present the finest coffees possible. From the Anchorage Daily News, this is ADN Politics, a podcast navigating Alaska's changing and sometimes wild political landscape. I'm your host, Elizabeth Harbaugh. This week, Governor Mike Denlevy threatened to veto a hard-fought bill to increase funding for Alaska's public schools, unless the legislature agrees to back some of his own education priorities. It's half a coin. It's a three-legged horse, meaning it's not going to run very far, all right? But we can fix that. Now, lawmakers in Juneau and school districts across the state are scrambling to sort out what to do next. I'm joined today by ADN reporters Sean McGuire and Iris Samuels to discuss what is and isn't in the bill and what might happen next. Sean and Iris, thank you for joining me today. Thank you. Good to be here. Earlier this week, after, as I mentioned, a lot of back and forth, the legislature sent an education bill to the governor's desk. Sean, what was in that bill? There's a lot of elements in this bill. The big piece is $175 million in extra school formula funding each year. This would be the largest nominal increase to school formula funding in state history. There would be $14.5 million for homeschooled students to bring them up to parity with that base student allocation, the per-student funding formula that all kids get. There'd be extra funding to help kids who are struggling to read. This is after the Alaska Reads Act passed a couple of years to make sure that they get up to grade. There'd be grants uh, that school districts could apply for to increase their internet speeds. And then there would be a charter school coordinator position to help our parents navigate the process to apply for charter schools, which which we're told can be quite difficult. Iris, Alaska education advocates have been calling for an increase to the base student allocation for years. Were they happy with this bill? Yes and no. Because it's been so many years since there has been a permanent increase to the base student allocation, a lot of people that have been advocating for that increase were just really happy that one was finally approved. But education advocates have been saying since the beginning of this legislative session that they really need more than $1,400 to make themselves even with the funding level that the state had back in 2017, which was the last time when there was a major increase increase to the BSA. So what they got was less than half of what they said was needed, but really I think that they're very happy to see something at all. And it's worth mentioning when we say education advocates here, we're referring to organizations that represent the state's teachers and school administrators. So these are people that are very uh, closely familiar with the state's education system. I want to back up and talk a little bit on how we got to that number. Where did a 680 BSA increase come from, Iris? So that number was actually approved by the state Senate last year, and it was in a bill that passed the Senate and then was sent to the House and went through part of the legislative process in the House side. But it really didn't reach the final finish line for that bill. Uh, In the last days of the session last year, lawmakers agreed to include that amount of funding or an, an amount equal to that in that year's or the current year's budget on a one-time basis. So not a permanent increase, but a one-time increase equal to $175 million. But then the governor went ahead and vetoed half that amount. So in the current year's budget, we have around $87 million outside the formula in the education budget. 
Sean, this session, House Majority Republicans were the ones who were initially pushing an education bill instead of the Senate. Can you explain how that happened, Sean? Yeah, so it's really interesting. The House Republicans came to the start of this session really with a plan of how they were going to address education. They, as the governor said, really flipped the script. Usually we see major policies only debated and passing at the end of the session, but House Republicans came in with provisions proposed by Governor Dunleavy and put it together in this unusual way in a legislative committee that usually only schedules bills. And they put together a charter school provision that the governor had proposed, which would allow a state board he appoints to authorize new charter schools, uh, potentially over the objections of local school districts. And there was also this idea for bonuses for teachers that the governor supported. Uh, There was this extra funding for homeschool students above what was in the final package. And all of this was pushed together in this package and was then brought to the House floor where it would usually be voted on by the full House. But what we saw was that this narrow Republican majority wasn't able to pass this bill, let alone actually debate it. They couldn't get this procedural motion to get that version of the bill with all these Republican-backed provisions to be debated by the full House, which is very unusual for a majority. Usually, if you're in a majority, you would expect to see your legislation passing. But in this instance, we couldn't see this debated. So that led legislators to have to come up with some sort of compromise. And that's kind of what we saw last week. It sounds like in this year's legislative session, education has taken up a lot of the oxygen. Is that right, Sean? Yeah, it really has. The legislature has been working on other things. There's been other bills, say, to do with childcare that have been passing one legislative chamber. And there's been discussions about other policies. But it really has been the dominant policy that has been talked about at the start of the session. Just last week, the House met a couple of times past 10 o'clock at night, there's these marathon four sessions, which you'd usually only expect at the end of the session. But yeah, it really has taken up a lot of the legislature's attention. There's been teachers coming in. There's been all these education advocates Iris was talking about in the Capitol, really lobbying to see this pass, this big school funding boost. So yeah, it's really taken a lot of the attention of the legislature, and it looks like it will continue to for the next few weeks at least. Iris, as the legislature was debating all these measures and all this drama was happening, the governor has said more than once that he would veto a bill that didn't include provisions boosting charter schools or homeschools and teacher bonuses. Why are those such big priorities for the governor? I think there's different explanations for each of these provisions. The governor has had a background in education. We mention often that he is a former public school teacher in Alaska. But he has voiced this perspective that school districts can't necessarily be trusted to use the funding that they get from the state directly on classroom expenses. So he's raised concerns about the use of the funds for to maintain, say, school buildings that maybe should be shut down or to hire more school administrators that maybe aren't necessary. So that's really what's motivating his interest in this uh, teacher bonus bill. He's basically talked about this as a way to address teacher recruitment and retention in Alaska. That's a big issue. So what his provision would actually do is provide these bonuses on a three-year basis, so just for three years. And then he'd theoretically be able to come back and say whether this worked or not, though it's worth mentioning three years from now, Governor Dunleavy will no longer be the governor of Alaska. As for charter schools, at the beginning of this legislative session, 
the governor began talking about a new study that came out of Harvard that took a look at charter schools on a national basis uh, in a way that had not been done before that appeared to indicate that Alaska's charter schools actually perform at the top of the nation. And that's interesting because Alaska's public schools kind of more broadly actually really don't perform very well when compared to other states in um, metrics like reading and math. So the governor has really been saying, if we perform so well in these charter schools, we should really just have more of them. And that's what's motivated his interest in this provision to increase the number of charter schools in Alaska. Of course, those who have concerns about charter schools may say that charter schools may work well in Anchorage or the Valley or the Peninsula, but may not work the same way in rural Alaska, where some towns or villages only have one school, one high school. As for homeschool students, the governor has pointed to the fact that there has been an increase in the number of parents in Alaska that choose to homeschool their kids in recent years. And he said that he just wants to make sure that those parents have the resources they need to buy curriculum or ensure that their kids get access to enriching activities. People that have concerns about this funding say that homeschooling kids is a great option for families that want to choose that, but they don't need to pay for things like brick-and-mortar schools, heating a separate building, things like that. And that's why they have not gotten the full amount of funding until now. Sean, there were attempts to include some of the governor's priorities in this bill that ultimately ended up on his desk, exactly as the governor wanted them, I should say. Uh, Why couldn't the legislature agree on those provisions? I think the simplest way to explain it is that there just wasn't the numbers to support the ideas that the governor wanted. The teacher bonuses are cost, we're told, something around $55 million a year. So it's really, it's quite a substantial amount of money. And there have been concerns that they might not do exactly what the governor wanted. They're only for three years um, initially. So the concern is that people could come to the state, could get these bonuses and take the money with them and that there would be no real incentive to stay any longer. So how does that how does that improve Alaska's teacher recruitment and retention problem for the longer term? Um, it sounds like it might just be a sugar rush, a boost in the arm to get more teachers here, but not necessarily get them to stay. That's what a lot of the critics have been saying. And that's particularly what we're hearing in the Senate. Um, the House Democrats, House Independents seem more amenable to the idea of teacher bonuses. But from what I heard, they couldn't get to an agreement to include the teacher bonuses in the final package. When it comes to the charter school provisions, there was quite a lot of opposition to that idea because you would have a board that could create charter schools over the objections of local school districts. And there were questions that, well, school districts, would they be obligated to fund these charter schools if they didn't necessarily want them? So that idea didn't really get much headway in the legislature, I'm told, because of the Democrats and progressives who had opposed it. So this compromise that we talked about, this charter school coordinator position who could help parents navigate the process, and then this appeals process if a charter school got revoked uh, to the Education Commission, that was seen as a compromise. So basically, the governor's priorities, when they stood alone or when they were included in this bill, just didn't seem to get the support of enough legislators to pass. Um, Probably best exemplified by a vote on the House floor that we saw last week on the teacher bonuses that split the House right down the middle. 20 Republicans voted in support of the teacher bonuses and 20 other representatives did not. So it couldn't move forward. So that's kind of what we saw with the with the governor's priorities last week leading up to this package. 
Iris, how much of a gamble was it for lawmakers to send a bill to the governor's desk without exactly what he was asking for in the legislation? I think it really is a calculated risk that lawmakers were taking. Uh, This governor has a history of uh, vetoing budget items and legislation when it's not something that he supports. So lawmakers definitely knew that this was a risk, that the governor could potentially decide to veto it. But I think that they had reached a point where there is this deadline looming um, for a provision in the bill related to Internet speeds and also just reached a point where they realized potentially they had a a package in their hands that was the best thing that they could get. So it really uh, came to a moment where they decided to move forward, maybe even if knowing that they had something that didn't include the things that the governor had asked for. All right, let's take a quick break there. When we're back, we will talk about the governor's press conference this week on the legislation and what comes next. At Steam.Coffee, we're proud to support great journalism and we're proud of our pursuit of great coffee. We search the world for the finest raw materials and then roast them to perfection at our Anchorage headquarters. All with one thing in mind, the finest coffee possible in your cup. Come visit us at either of our Anchorage cafes or online at steamdot.com. We're back with ADN Politics, talking with reporters Iris Samuels and Sean McGuire about the debate around Alaska education funding. So all this brings us to the governor's press conference that was on Tuesday. Iris, what was it like and what did we learn? Well, it's worth starting by saying that it was a pretty interesting experience. Uh, The governor kind of shaped all of his remarks around an ADN editorial that appeared a couple weeks ago. And it's worth mentioning that none of the people speaking on this podcast uh, have anything to do with editorials at the ADN. But this particular editorial referenced the governor's policies and the governor's purpose in this press conference was to inform both reporters and legislators that he intended to veto the legislation that had passed unless uh, legislators would adopt additional pieces of legislation that would achieve uh, the governor's goals. And those had to do with teacher bonuses and with charter schools. The governor spoke for about an hour, but what stuck out to me was the fact that there weren't specific instructions for lawmakers. It's not like the governor said that he needed two particular pieces in order to be able to approve of the BSA increase. He just broadly told lawmakers, really, that he wanted more of his priorities to be included in the education package to to win his support. And he spoke a lot about his particular policy positions and how they differed from the policy positions of those education advocates that we mentioned earlier in this episode. Sean, what was the reaction to that in Juneau? What are lawmakers saying? So I've had a mixed reaction. I think there was a lot of frustration among Democrats and progressives and supporters of this education package that passed earlier in the week because they felt like, one, the issue was done. Um, Or if the governor vetoed it, they could just immediately go to a veto override session, consider that, and the issue could be over and done with, and they could move to other things. So there's a little bit of frustration there on that aspect of it. I heard from the Senate a lot of frustration with the governor asking for these teacher bonuses, which they have said are too expensive, uh, or these charter school provisions, which just do not have support. So the interesting question for the Senate is going to be, are they actually going to try and act on trying to get some sort of compromise package passed to ensure that this 
BSA boost passes into law, or are they just going to aim for a veto override session in a couple of weeks when Governor Dunleavy has threatened clearly that that veto could be coming? On the House side, I've heard some House Republicans just say, okay, let's let's add the governor's provisions. Let's pass it. Let's just get this over and done with. He's He's made clear what he wants. Let's just make sure we get this all over and done with. And then I've heard some House Democrats and House Independents say, look, the teacher bonus package, we might not particularly like it all that much, but maybe we just pass it and uh, move on to other things. And I think that dynamic is going to be really interesting to keep watching. I mean, Iris, in terms of possible paths, is there a chance that no action is taken on education funding whatsoever this year in Juneau? The governor emphasized that he thinks there will be a substantial BSA increase this year. He hasn't really given a number for what substantial means to him. So I think uh, in all likelihood, we will see an increase to education funding this year. But there are a lot of different ways that can come together. It's worth mentioning that under state law, uh, what happens when the legislature advances a bill is it goes to the governor's desk and then the governor has two weeks time to either assign it or veto it. And that is what sets up this two-week window where lawmakers can either agree to the governor's demand of additional legislation or they can theoretically try to pass legislation, maybe not succeed, and then the governor could potentially veto the legislation. The legislature could then try to override. If they do succeed in overriding the veto, that would be pretty significant since um, Alaska has uh, the highest threshold in the nation for overriding a governor's veto, and it just happens extremely rarely. The last time it happened was more than 20 years ago. So, I think that by the end of this session, which will likely come in May, we will see some kind of action on uh, education, but it may not come until May. It's really an open question of what happens next. Sean, I don't know if we mentioned this earlier, but the bill is passed by the legislature, comes at a cost of some $200 million. Is the state in a position to pay for that? And how does that factor into the conversations now? Yeah, so the other shoe is starting to kind of drop in terms of the legislature at the early part of this session has been talking about all these policies they want, but now we're starting to talk about how to afford it all. And we got a little update in the Senate Finance Committee uh, on Thursday morning, where with a $200 million school funding boost and some of these other expected spending priorities that we've heard about, um, it looks like there might be around a $50 million surplus. But that's with a $1,400 dividend that assumes oil stays high. There's a lot of what ifs there. And we heard from the governor pretty clearly that he said, look, pass the policies now and we'll talk about budgeting later. And the inference for a lot of people was, look, we could come to a deal, but it may not necessarily be the deal that gets funded at the uh, end of this legislative session once the budget passes. So what I'm told and what the numbers look like is, yes, they could afford this $200 million education package, more funding say the teacher bonuses or some other pieces starts to get more difficult and other priorities might fall by the wayside. There might not be much funding for infrastructure spending, let's say. So there's a really interesting question about how the legislature is going to be able to afford all these different priorities. And at the same time, there's this question about what the legislature is going to do. There are really just a lot of unknowns left in this process and we just really don't know how this is going to be afforded and uh, what the governor is going to do to this package 
now or into the future. So a lot of unknowns, a lot of uncertainty. Iris, final question. What are the impacts of all this uncertainty on the school districts around the state? So it's been a longstanding problem for school districts in Alaska that they have to finalize their budgets in the spring. So that's really starting this month going into March. uh, And that's way before the legislature finalizes the state budget. So every year, districts have to come up with how they're going to fund schools for the following year without knowing necessarily exactly how much money they're going to get from the state. This year, that's a particularly big issue, uh, really for two reasons. One is that districts across the state, many of them are facing multi-million dollar budget deficits. And a lot of them are having to decide whether to cut entire schools, teacher positions, special programs. And if they have to make those decisions before knowing how much funding they're going to get from the state, uh, that's a very big deal. And then the, the second part of this problem is is that even though the legislature has passed their bill increasing the formula, the BSA, we've gotten this hint from the governor that even if there is this education package, he may use the veto pen to reduce the amount of funding that schools get. Uh, And really, that only happens in June. So the uncertainty horizon really stretches far into the distance uh, for schools that have to make very real decisions in the coming days and weeks. All right. Well, let's end there. Iris, John, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thanks for listening to ADN Politics. You can subscribe to the show in whichever podcast app you're listening to right now. You can keep up with the rest of our coverage on ADN.com. And you can subscribe to ADN there, which is the best way to support our work, including this show. Thanks to our guests today. ADN reporters Sean McGuire and Iris Samuels. This episode was produced by Evan Phillips and Zachariah Hughes. Our music is by Evan Phillips. David Hewlin is our editor. And I'm your host, Elizabeth Harbaugh. See you next week. Thanks for listening. This episode of ADN Politics was brought to you by Steam.Coffee, where we source, roast, and present the finest coffees possible.